So here we are, episode two of The Southerns. This is Angie Henderson Moncada. And yes, I know I switched around the episodes, but when I realized I would be able to release my conversation with Trinez Woods Black in time for the second annual Harlem Eatup, I knew I had to do it. I met Trinez about a year ago as part of a collaboration with the amazing filmmakers at Powerhouse Productions the Schomburg Center for Research in Black Culture at the New York Public Library, and City, where I used to work. We were making a documentary about the history and culture of food in Harlem, and you just can't do that without talking about Sylvia's restaurant. Sylvia's is the heart and soul, the family dinner table of Harlem. This is something politicians, celebrities, and regular people all know. I first saw Sylvia's not at the iconic location on Lenox Avenue, but on a label, on a row of canned goods, on a grocery store shelf in New Haven, Connecticut, two days before Thanksgiving. I was aching for Southern food, but wouldn't be making it back to Georgia for the holidays. And Sylvia's black-eyed peas and collard greens gave me a taste of home. And that's kind of the point. Sylvia's was established in 1962 by Sylvia Woods, an African-American woman whose family had moved from South Carolina joining millions of other black Southerners in the Great Migration. Trinez Woods Black is her granddaughter. She carries on Sylvia's legacy, representing the restaurant in Harlem on stage, in the press, and in the dining room. When my husband, son, and I went to the restaurant, as Trinez calls it, after the first screening of Harlem on my plate, I watched her stop by every table. And she didn't just pass by to check water glasses or ask a perfunctory how's everything. She lingered. She shared stories. She made people laugh, talk, smile. And when she got to our table, she did the same thing. It was easy to believe she didn't want to be anywhere but right there, with you at her table, enjoying her family's food. Just like the generations of her family members, Generations of Southerners wherever they ended up in the country. She made us feel home. One special note about the music on this episode. I found these tracks on the Library of Congress website. They are part of an incredible archive of recordings from 1939, from a 6,500-mile trip made by John and Ruby Lomax through the South to living rooms, church basements, and who knows where else. These songs were recorded in the area of South Carolina that Trinez and her family call home. I like to imagine they were sung by the type of women Trinez talks about in this episode, bare-facing, black-girl magic kind of women. Yet, in their simplicity and sparseness, these songs speak to me of the lightness of the things Southerners, especially black Southerners, have been able to call our own. Memories, recipes, songs. I know you'll enjoy my conversation with Trinez. She is a delight, and her stories are rooted in the deepest of Southern traditions. Her love for family and food, 
the creation of home. You got to move, you got to move. For when the Lord gets ready, you got to move. You may be high, you may be low. You may be you may be poor. But when the Lord gets ready, you got to move. Father move, Father move, Father move, Father move. But when the Lord gets ready. Hello? Hey, Janice, this is Angie Moncada. Yes, I was like, hi, Angie. <laughs> how are you? I'm well, how are you? Very good. What's going on these days? Oh, my gosh. What's going on these days? Harlem, eat up. Oh, <laughs> uh, taking over your life? Yeah. And I have, I only have, what, five events? Five events that I'm in charge of for Harlem, eat up. So, oh, my God. It's about to be really interesting. Although it gets very um, nerve-wracking, mm-hmm. I still would not trade my freedom. Right. Oh, my gosh. You know, I my time is like, it's my time. You know, I can say, yeah, no, yes, here, not here, you know, mm-hmm. and be able to work on things that I want to work on. With people that you know. like. <laughs> that, yes, with people that I like. And when I was in corporate, because I always freelance in, in corporate, and I was always like, oh, I cannot join this company, you know. And a lot of times I was like the only black female mm-hmm. or the only, like, person that looked like me. And it was, it was like, okay, you mean in this entire department? <laughs> there's, there's nobody. You know, there's, there's no one. And now my husband, you know, he's an entrepreneur now. So wow, it's it's um interesting is what I like to do say. Do you guys ever have the oh shit? How are we gonna pay the bills moment? Or are oh. you are you feeling like okay this is are you kidding now. me? <laughs> no, <laughs> are you kidding me? I'm like the other day I was just like oh shit. My husband's like you know what? Um, I started looking. I'm like looking where? No, do not call a headhunter. And he's in that's fitness. what you do when you panic, right? Yeah, that's what you do. But I try not to do that. I survive. I have to stop for you. Good for and you. he's like, no, 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 you should. I'm like, no, 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 no. I should not. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know, we'll figure it out. You know, yeah. we can always sleep in the backyard for a little while. <laughs> the weather's breaking. You know, I'm gonna bring down and Yeah, I'm like, okay, let's go get that camping equipment from my mom's house. That's funny. You know, we might have to camp out in her backyard, but you know, it's always ebbs and flows, ebbs and flows. And when they come, you know, I just try to maximize them the flows, maximize them as much as possible. I knew that was gonna be Scott, hold on for me one second, I'm sorry. Okay, sorry about that. That's okay. Yeah. 
Thank you so much for being willing to do this. And I, so, so I had this idea of like, you know, what does it mean to be Southern and what does it mean to be Southern outside of South? There's like all these different varieties of that. And then also there's this idea of like this balance between feeling nostalgia for all that tradition and those things that you love and that are part of your heritage and your history, but also like some of that stuff, either you or the people before you have chosen to leave behind for a variety of reasons and, and at mm-hmm. what cost and at also either at what cost or either like that was the right thing to do. And you kind of like mm-hmm. don't recognize that former life. So I just am trying to get like different experiences and I know mm-hmm. that you never like, full-time lived in the South, but from hearing you talk about it, South Carolina is like a huge part of who you are. Um, oh, yeah. I consider my grit, myself grit, grit Harlem style, girl raised uh-oh. in the South Harlem style. <laughs> that is so funny. So what do you, what does that mean to you? What do you say grit Harlem style? Grit Harlem style, it's like my, my um, foundation, my traditions, my beliefs, um, everything that I equate to family and, and home has roots from South Carolina. Like, South Carolina, to me, is my country, you know, especially being um, a black American and not having, you know, not being able to go back, you know, but so far um, as far as tracing my ancestry. So when I think about South Carolina, it just gives me a lot of joy because that's where that's where my my grandparents are from and, and you know, and their parents and that's where our own unique dialect, you know, we talk differently. You know, when I when I'm down south, as I call it down south, like <laughs> like it's an actual physical place, you know, like the South of Friends. Um, you know, I, there's a whole different, different thing that I got going on, you know, um, we, I eat differently. I, um, you know, I, I let my little dialect go and it just feels so good. Hmm. You know, it's just, it's, it's, it's good. It's like, you know, I'm home and. The Harlem aspect of it is that all of, you know, my maternal and paternal grandparents, when they left the community um, where they were from, prospectively, in South Carolina, which wasn't far from from um, each other and some overlapping, um, they both moved to Harlem. You know, my maternal grandmother came later. And uh, let's see, she came when she was 18, and they moved to 118th Street between Lenox Avenue and and Adam Clayton Powell, which is 7th. And my grandma Sylvia, when she came to New York, her and my granddad, they got an apartment, which she called the coldest place on earth, um, on 131st Street. And that was between Lennox and Fifth. Okay. So, like, you know, that was that's that's what you did. You you left the South, and when you came to New York, you first moved to Harlem, 
And then um, from from there, my both of my grandparents, both my maternal and paternal grandparents, decided to move to the outer boroughs. Um, my my uh, paternal grandparents went to the Bronx, but my grandmother's business was in Harlem, so she just slept in the Bronx. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> you know, that's where she could get a home that she could afford. And it wasn't too far from the restaurant. You know, she'd get there in a hurry if she needed to and all right. that good stuff. And then my maternal grandmother went um, to Brooklyn for a short period of time. And then she, um, she and my granddad bought a house in Queens, which mm-hmm. was, you know, um, close to Kennedy Airport. It looked like 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 a mini version of of, of the South. You know, mm-hmm. still some horse farms and 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 things that they could relate to. You know, they they grew up in houses. You know, no tenements and everything. So you know, being in a house again and all that kind of stuff is what, you know, was what they were used to. Sure. So, um, but they did everything in Harlem. They did everything in Harlem. They went to church in Harlem. You know, they founded my maternal grandparents' um, family, founded a church in Harlem. And, wow. you know, my grandma, yeah, my grandma Sylvia, you know, she would go there sometimes. And, you know, it was just, people from the same place. And then when it was time to go out, you went out in Harlem. You know, so it was like, that was, you know, Harlem was your city. And the the Bronx and Queens was, you know, your suburb that you, sure. you lived and you had a home that you could afford and you raised your kids there and, and all that good stuff. And this was in the, the 60s, 70s? No, this is this is in the 40s and the 50s. Oh, wow. Yeah. This is in the 40s. Like, my grandparents, my grandma Sylvia moved to Harlem in 1944. And my maternal grandmother was a lot younger. So she, she came, um, like, in 50. And was there something specific that let them know it was time to go? I mean, obviously, the the migration was happening decades on decades. Yeah. But why then? Oh, my goodness. Well, for for my maternal family, it was opportunity. And my grandmother, her name is Dorothy, Dorothy Neesmith, she's still with us, thank God, and she still lives in the house that she originally bought. (laughs) Wow. Um, In Queens. And she grew up on, she grew up on a farm. They had 200 acres of land. That they owned? Yeah, her dad owned 200 acres of land. And it's funny because we were just having this conversation about a month ago. You know, every so often I like to chat with her about her childhood and and everything because I love, I, you know, I never get tired of hearing those stories. And she was like, you know, we had 200 acres. And I was like, wow, I, I just didn't know that. I was like, I know you guys had a lot of land, but, and her her dad was an immigrant from Jamaica. 
Oh, wow. So he took a boat from Jamaica to Charleston, South Carolina. And he was, he was older, um, older than my great grandmother. And, um, he settled, he settled in this little township called Friendship Township, um, in, in South Carolina. And it, it happened to be the same township where my grandma Sylvia, which is the paternal side, where her family is from. Wow. Her dad. So it was um it was like a thriving community. Um my my grandmother Dorothy, she said that, you know, she can remember as a kid, you know, always you know, they always had and I I'll say that in quotation mark. Because she was like, you know, we always had, we always had. You know, and that that was short for, you know, we always had, you know, what we needed, right. you know. And um, she said that, you know, they had, you know, a good-sized home. Um, they had a barn. They had horses. They had cows. They had pigs, chickens. She said that, I forgot how many chickens she said her mom had, but they had, like, hundreds of chickens and um you know, just hearing her talk about it, I could see that she was picturing everything in her head. And mm-hmm. she said they had a smokehouse that was filled with meat, you know, filled with all type of um, ham and sausage and all all type of, of meat. They never had to go to the store. They never went to the store. And so I was like, well, you know, how did you – like flour and stuff, and she was saying that they would um, grow, I think, wheat and take it to the mill and get it processed. Totally self-sufficient. Completely, completely, you know, cucumbers, peanuts, um, yams, greens, all, all types of green vegetables, beans, peas, rice. And her her dad was a, a great farmer. He was a great farmer, and he would sell um, his his crops in, in Charleston at the market. And he also had tobacco, or as my family says, tobacco. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> you know, tobacco. Like, oh yeah, tobacco, tobacco. So, and have you ever? Did all of, any of this continue? Like, did you see it, or does this sort of live as part of you in, through the stories that you've heard? Well, I I actually saw the house before it um, had a fire. When I was when I was little, by the time I was born in seventy two, my great grandmother, my maternal great grandmother, had already moved out of that house and she moved into into a town that was um more progressive you know it was actually a city because where she was living was in the in the woods like mm-hmm. it was rural and she had to leave because the bears were starting to get pretty aggressive lord <laughs> yeah right can you imagine <laughs> bears chase me out of my house Exactly, like the bears. She said that they would sound like like men breathing heavy, like, <sighs> <laughs> and 
and she would sleep with her shotgun. Um, her shotgun would be next to her bed. And the, she said she could hear them, like, come on to the porch and everything or come up to the window breathing heavily. I was like, oh, my dear wow. Jesus. So between the um, the the bears and, and, and the snakes and just it wasn't safe for her to live out there, a woman to live so desolate, you know, in such a desolate place. You know, she loved it, but her kids convinced her to buy um, a home in, in the city. Mm-hmm. And, and um, she moved to King Street, which, you know, had um, a railroad station, you know, Amtrak station. So, you know, it's, it was different, you know. Yeah. And well, I was thinking, like, going from, like, a farm, like, a self-sufficient life out in yeah. the country, basically, to, like, Harlem in one leap. That must have been crazy. Oh, my gosh. My my grandmother, uh, my grandma Dorothy, she was, like, all she knew is that she had, and she would say it was nine head of them. <laughs> nine children and she was the oldest and she was so tired of working for her family and I asked her I said you know did you ever go work for anybody else you know because a lot of times that's what what people had to do they had to you know have their kids go work other people's farm and property and she said no they never um they never went to work she never had to go work because one, she was a she was a female, and her mm-hmm. dad would never allow her to go to um, work on different people's property because rape was so prevalent. Sure. Back then, and her brothers they may have gone and helped out, but for the most part, they worked their own farm, and everything was manual. She was like manual washing. Um, washing the clothes, and she was like, all of those, those dungarees, she was like, she promised that her son, when she had a son, that he would never wear dungarees, and he, and he didn't until he bought his own pair when he was almost 30 years old. Wow. I was like, well, what are you playing? She was like, flex. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, my, and he turned 60. He turned 60, like, a few weeks ago. We were talking about that. Hmm. How he, you know, he played in he played in sack and flex. So, you know, she was serious when when she was like, "I gotta get out of here," and she was ready. Yeah, she was like when she met my grandfather and he he liked her and she was like, the first question I asked him, "Are you planning on staying down here?" <laughs> and he said, "No." She said, "No, seriously, I need to know because if you're planning on staying down here." I can't date you because as soon as I turn 18, I'm leaving. <laughs> and she she wanted to go to Philadelphia. Like, she didn't even originally want to come to New York. She wanted to go to Philadelphia. Her aunt was there, and she was doing um, very, very well. And that was the aunt that was from, was born in Jamaica. She was actually mm. born in, in Jamaica. And um, my grandmother's father helped her to come to the States. Wow. So, yeah. But they ended up in Harlem, and then 
yeah. the rest is history. There you like a whole yeah. a whole world was created there. Like yeah, the you whole... and your grandmother and your mom and your whole family is like so identified with Harlem. Yeah. Like what if I that mean, had not happened? <laughs> yeah, that would be kind of like the first family of where I'm well, I have no idea. <laughs> you know, like uh feel like well, you know, my grandmother Sylvia, she always says that you know, I am Harlem. They just call me Sylvia. And we we understood that, you know, our lives were so embedded into um, into the business. And not only that, but we also grew up with a, a understanding of where we came from, which was was South Carolina, which yes. was French Friendship Corner. Um, Neesmith, which is, you know, my family's last name, um, on, on my mom's side. Last name was Neesmith and, um, and Presley, Presley on my grandma Sylvia's side. And it was always, um, we always refer to those areas as going home. Like, oh, someone would say, oh, you guys going home for Christmas? And people still say that, like, oh, you guys going home for Christmas. They don't mean our prospective houses that we live in. You know, they mean South Carolina. 70 years later. 70 years later, are we going home? Are you guys going home for Christmas? My brother was like, my brother um, is in London right now. And he's like, oh, I don't want to hear nothing. You guys better be coming home for Christmas. You know, we didn't go out for Christmas last year. And I'm like, no, we're definitely, you know, we're definitely coming. He's like, yeah, you know, you cannot come home for Christmas. And I was like, I know. (laughs) Why do you think that is? Why do you think that has stayed like that all these years? Oh, my gosh. It's like, oh, it's it's like so much fun. Like, you get to, to go to a place that, You've always been going since you were a kid. It was always associated with vacation and fun times and, you know, letting loose, walking in the yard, no shoes on, um, you know, just freedom. You know, it was, it's just a sign of like freedom. And when we go down south now, like for Christmas and everything, we didn't even have cable. You know, we'd watch, we'd bring videos and watch movies and everything. There was only one television that really worked in the house, and that was the TV that was in my grandma Sylvia's room. And um, I remember the TV going in, in the living room, and we didn't even make a big deal about replacing it because, you know, we, we like to be with each other and just talk and be in each other's company and you know that's that's what you do when you when you go down south. You go visit your family, and everyone tells you wonderful stories about your grandparents when they were kids, and and everyone knows you in the town, which is another cool thing. You know, so many be like, "Oh, oh my God, that's Kenny's daughter," or "That's Delores's daughter." Like they just know you, and you're and sometimes you're like, "I don't know who these people are," but. <laughs> But they know who you are. They're like, oh, you know, you're Doc's daughter, you're Doc's granddaughter, you know. So it's very, it's very welcoming, you know. Like, do they oh, consider me. you? Do they consider you like 
that did they think that you're home or they think oh those people from up north are back again oh no they know we are home and they say when did you get home (laughs) yeah they're like when did you get home well do you think there's i mean in your family specifically Mm -hmm. what you create for people is that replication of home when they come into the restaurant that's what we aim for you know that do you think that has anything to do with it Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, um, it's, it's so present in the way people describe the restaurant, you know, and they're like, oh, I feel at home, you know, I can go there at any time and, you know, I feel welcome, you know, if I need somebody to talk to, whatever, you know, it's just like a place where you can go and you can really feel, you can feel the love. You know, you go sit on the counter and and have your meal, and, you know, the, the server will strike up a conversation with you or the person next to you will strike up a conversation, you know, or give you a smile or, hey, how you doing? You know, a lot of people have become fast friends at the restaurant. <laughs> a lot of people have, you know, met each other, got married, you know, from the restaurant. Customers have married servers. Servers have married customers. It's it's definitely it's definitely a, a home feel. And does the restaurant feel like the South or like Harlem to you? We have managed to create quite a unique experience. And the restaurant is the perfect mixture between South Carolina and Harlem. And a lot of what Harlem is, like that, don't say qua, you really can't put your finger on, but you can like feel it. That's what Sylvia's is. You know, it's like this, this throw, this throw back place that, you know, has all of this great Southern food and, you know, soul food and soul was born in the, in, in the 60s, right along when the restaurant was born. So it was such a, a natural marriage and representation because everyone, you know, who would come in the restaurant was from down south. Everybody, everybody mm-hmm. from down south. You know, yeah. that migration, so many people from the South migrated to to Harlem that, you know, it was the place where everybody went because you could eat food from home. Nobody was going to judge you. Everyone, you know, everybody was going to, you know, nobody was going to be like, oh, my God, why do you, why do you sound like that, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, where where are you from or? You know, they would know that you want you want your your beans on top of your rice, and 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 just natural things like that. That so, you know, Sylvia Sylvia is Harlem. Like Sylvia is 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 Harlem. I so you know you, my grandmother she was ahead of her time with that. Yeah. Well, and it's funny because you um, I don't know right, the right way to formulate the question, but mm-hmm. you use the word freedom. And it, it struck me kind of funny that mm-hmm. a black woman would say 
I go down south because I feel a sense of freedom when I'm there. Yeah. 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 It's it's one of those things where um I just feel light. Hmm. You know, I feel like all I have to do is, God forbid, if I was hungry or homeless or something, I'd just be like, oh, you know, this this is who my family is. Can you help me? <laughs> yeah. Well, Texas. and I guess the, or, the reason mm-hmm. I asked that question, because you think about, like, you know, so much of what That's motivated out. the migration was that lack of freedom that Africans yeah. felt in the South. And they came to a place like Harlem and created a space of their own, the same way mm-hmm. your grandmother did. Um, and it's just interesting to see, like, how does that all fit together? And then you, like, you're two generations later, and you're this woman who's amazing. You're carrying on that legacy. You're preserving and making it something new. Um, but you feel this deep connection to a place that your family left 70 years ago. They left, but but they really didn't. Okay. And what I, what I mean by that is that um, my mom, you know, she passed away a year and a half ago, and my mom was raised in 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 Queens, in Queens, born on Roosevelt Island, raised in Queens. My mom is buried in South Carolina. Hmm. You know. Um, I plan to be buried in South Carolina. You know, my my grandparents, you know, my grandma Sylvia is buried in South Carolina. My granddaddy Herbert is buried in South Carolina. My dad wants to be buried in South Carolina. You know, my dad got married in South Carolina. <laughs> so but you didn't. You got married in New York City. Like the I most married New York possible New York. wedding. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I got married. I had Harlem style. You know, I got married at Abyssinian. You know, we took pictures in front of the marquee of the restaurants, and we go to North Central Park, you know, take group shots. And that that's that's the product of who I am. Right. But for my honeymoon, guess where I went for my honeymoon? Where'd you go? I went to Charleston. Charleston. Of course. <laughs> Yes, yep. I went to Charleston. I went to Charleston for for my honeymoon. So how and does your husband fit into this story? Is he Harlem? Oh, Is he South Carolina? Is he something entirely different? Oh my gosh, my husband was was my husband born in Harlem also. His mom was born in Harlem. Okay. His mom was born in in Harlem. His dad was born in Alabama. His dad left Alabama the first thing smoking. It was horrible. The conditions down there, like he, he had to live. You know, mm. if he would have stayed, he he could have been dead. Wow. So, yeah, like it, it was one of the worst states for um, black men. It was just killing black men left and right. Although, like his family owned, like his family actually built neighborhoods. Hmm. They built. Um, the area that, that they lived in, they were like blacksmiths and they were contractors and their last name was black. And I'm sure that was a derivative of blacksmith. Mm-hmm. And um, so God 
he um, would go to Sinopolis, Alabama, when he was younger, to visit. And um, then his he would also go to North Carolina as a kid. So, again, those, those roots in the South. Like, his, but his mom, Scott's mom, unfortunately, um, her lineage stops with her, with her grandmother. She doesn't know. Nope. Her grandmother was an orphan, was an orphan, and her mom was a slave. Wow. And her life story, we need a whole nother Mm-hmm. That's like that'll be in my book. But her life story, just to give you a little overview, both of um my husband's grandparents were in the they were part of the Tuskegee um experiment. And they ended what? up dying. Yeah, they ended up dying when his mom was, was a child. So this is a serious yeah. lineage you've got. <laughs> yeah, it's ooh, I have a little bit of everything. And yeah. it's um you know, it's not all pretty. You know. Right. It's 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 definitely not all pretty. You know, we've had people in our family that have been lynched. Um, you know, my my great great grandfather was lynched for a crime he didn't commit. You know, in the same courthouse, behind the same courthouse where my maternal grandparents got married. You know, so it just goes to show you, like, the the mixture of pain and suffering and, and joy and, and entrepreneurship that came out of the same name. I mean, it's, it's really, it's, it's, I, I mean, wow. My family's story is just incredible. It you is. Know, you know, well, and that's from, what I feel like, that's what gives you like this drive and this presence that you have and this, like, I, think so. I can do that anything. <laughs> yeah. I, and sometimes I feel kind of bad. I'm like, okay, now, hello, what made, what made my Great great grandmother who was born in like the eighteen hundreds, slavery I'm sure was still around when she was born and definitely her mom was a slave. What made her think that she could contest her husband who was a widow, widower, contest his um his former wife's family to get the property? Like, who told her that she could do that? Like, what kind of black girl magic is that? <laughs> you know, like, we made her think that she could stand up against anyone when everyone was saying that you're you're nothing. You're, you're a woman. And then on top of that, you're a black woman. But what made her, what made her do that? That's the reason why we have the restaurant. That's the reason why I'm an entrepreneur. You know? Yeah. I'm like, what what could have made her think that she was deserving of anything? 
when everything was, around her was telling her the opposite. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, it goes back to that room that you walk in. You say you, you're in those rooms and you get, you have, have a teeny tiny, you know, microscopic <laughs> version of that same thing happen to you. But what do you do? Yeah. What's your response to that? Yeah, you're right. I mean, um, trying to carve out this niche and and this big this big city, you know, it's not it's not easy. And I just do it because because they did. And and now it's just like it's second nature. It's second mm-hmm. nature for me. I'm like, okay, I'm. I just have to, I can do this. I can, I can call the mayor's office. I can, some of the things that, that happened in my life, I definitely don't take it for granted. You know, I've had a lot of blessed opportunities and I've been in a lot of charmed positions and acquaintances and I'm always like, really? Did this just happen? You know, but um, it's not me. <laughs> like it's 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 deeper than it's deeper than this uh, communications thing. Yeah. So I feel I feel really blessed though. I love I love the legacy that I represent. I love it. That's amazing. This podcast is about anything. It is about the search for home. For many of the Southerners I've talked to, deciding to leave the South was about not feeling at home. Political views or personal culture, religious beliefs or the lack thereof, other people's prejudice or even fear for their lives, a restless spirit or simply a spirit of adventure. In episode three, I talked to Brian marathon runner and seasoned traveler who says it's the certainty that his own family and home in South Georgia will always be there that allows him to feel at home anywhere in the world. If you have a Southern story or know someone who does, email me at Angie at the southernspodcast.com. Thanks again for listening to another episode of The Southerns. Run home, children. Run home, children. Room, I'm going home. Room, I'm going home. Room, Oh, let's run. Room, Oh, let's run. Room, And try on my road. Room, And my